Welcome everybody to an emergency pod. I think this is emergency podcast number two, two or three at this point. I am joined by Cade McCurdy. I am your host, Jacob Robinson, and you're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons on the web this time. We're not in studio. We are on everyone's favorite platform, not Skype. And uh, at this point, Cade, when you think about guest appearances on talk shows, it's really just you and then Lil Wayne on ESPN First Take. And that's really just an interchangeable one and two. Yeah, we're, we're one and two, one A, one B. Like, I'm, I would say I'm the king of the modern era. He's the king okay. of like the, the years gone by. Right, because you, you can't compare you can't compare eras at this point. No, we're talking like about it, greatness. We just pay, we play at a faster pace nowadays. So obviously like you can't compare what I was doing to Lil Wayne's like slower pace. He had to actually go into a studio. We're doing this online. Like we could crank these out all day if we wanted to. It's not his fault. Right. So overall, we have had a relative, uh, relative quiet last couple of weeks in terms of sports. I don't think anything's really happened there's been a couple weeks for NFL content, and I know fan, you're, you're sweating out your fantasy team. Um, but now, over the past few days, we finally got a little bit of a surge in content with the NBA. The first thing I wanted to ask you is, how do we feel about the NBA season starting in a month? I feel like for I feel like it couldn't have really started any other time. Um, I'm as a fan, obviously, it's great. Really, the only teams that hurts are like like the Nuggets, the Lakers, the Heat, I would say. I think everyone else has more or less had either a little, a, like a, a long enough offseason or the teams that haven't played since February, since March, like they've been off for 10 months. Okay, so you're saying it hurts some of the teams that kind of had like a deeper run in the bubble. Um, the teams that went deep in the bubble, like they've got like a one-month, two-month turnaround. And so, and like guys that got hurt at the very end, uh, like Goran Dragic, like maybe they're not ready for the new season. So that's not ideal, obviously, but like there's not much you can do since other teams have been off so much longer. Right. So the NBA draft on this past Thursday, I wanted to ask you, now that we know basically who got drafted where and who went where, before the draft, a lot of people were talking about such an underwhelming draft year and draft class. Are you buying into that hype of, yeah, this is probably one of the worst drafts that I've seen in the last couple of years, dating back to possibly the Anthony Bennett 2012 draft class, or even I know that Kyrie Irving 2011 class was relatively rough. Does this stack up in terms of, yeah, I'm just not in love with these prospects like I was, you know, like everybody was uh, for those two classes? I'll say this. I think there's there's two easy ways to evaluate a draft. The first is the best like three players, which when a draft first happens is the top three, as far as anyone can tell. And then by how deep a draft class is. And I'll say that although I don't necessarily love any of the, the high end prospects, I think Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball all come with various flaws. I feel like there are possible contributors all the way down into like the forties. Um, I think it's a very, a potentially very deep class. And I guess we'll just have to see. Uh, how things shake out i'll get i'll put you on the spot right now who are some of the names when you're looking at some of the like back end of the draft that you're you're talking about like a deep class who are some of the names that that uh that you think of i think rj hampton will get run and has potential to grow into something pretty special um i think udoka azabuki is like he's an interesting prospect at the very least especially backing up rudy gobert 
Um, I'll give some love to my Duke guys. I think Trey Jones and Cassius Stanley both have potential in this league to be great. Cassius Winston at 53 is a freaking steal. Right. Um, and then I, I forget his name, but the guard at a Seton Hall that just got signed by the Knicks. Even yes. If not, even if he's not great, in my opinion, like he can provide bench scoring, even if he's not necessarily a star in this league. Yeah, the knock on Miles Powell was that his height was a factor. Um, I know there's a there's been a lot of knocks on a lot of the point guards in this draft. Mm-hmm. I know the the knock on Trey Jones is his ability to shoot from the perimeter, um, even mid range or three pointers, because I know he's normally a past first point guard, which you would want your point guard to be passed first in some situations. You don't want a Russell Westbrook case where it's, you know, you need him to get up 25 shots a game yeah. because he can be, he can be successful when, and that's not needed. Yeah. Not every point guard needs to be Dame Lillard. Like what Dame Lillard does is great and is cool and is good for the Blazers, but what's good for the Blazers, like you might not necessarily need from your backup point guard. Um. So we'll, we'll break down these first couple of picks because I do have a question uh, questions for you for this lottery. Um, Anthony Edwards going number one overall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Did you have a clear cut number one in your opinion? Who I thought should go number one? It could be who you thought should go number or who you thought would uh, could go number one versus I'm, I'm just trying to think like how I want to how I want to phrase it. Um, like who you thought was the best player in this draft, regardless of team fit well team fits different because it's not like the Timberwolves are going to take uh Wiseman if that's what you were getting at uh, yeah. I'm, but I'm, I'll, I'll ask this best player regardless of team fit I think that this might be controversial I think the Wizards got the best player in the draft and and uh yeah, Danny have Abdija I have no idea how to say his name I'll be honest oh yes 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 okay but you said he Wizards. Is, I don't know why I thought Warriors. Okay, so the the guy from Israel, the Denny Avita. Yes. I'm gonna call him Denny Avita until I'm like, until we learn otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be a West Unsell 2.0. We'll open <laughs> So talk talk to me about uh because I'm I'm gonna ask you something that I'm a little bit scared of. Actually, I'll just ask that. What I'm scared of about Denny Avita is Luca set the mold for young international players that now I'm, I'm just, Oh, overseas. I'm in love with him. If yeah. you're a small forward from not the U S I just feel like I'm getting a little bit too trigger happy with some of the international prospects, but why, why do you like him? Well, you can also, if, if Danny isn't as good as I think you can call it like the Dirk effect 2.0, because after Dirk got drafted and was good, Every single team wanted a tall, sweet shooting German guy. And, and that, so led, all, to that led to Andrea Bargnani. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bargnani and people whose names are lost of time that just had no idea right. what they were doing and weren't ready for, for the big spotlight. But Denny, sure. Denny, like he's enormous, but he can like pass like a point guard. Um, he's very creative with the ball. And from what I've been reading, he's not unlike a lot of guys coming into the league now, he's not a complete liability on defense. Like I think that obviously he's not going to be as good as Luca, but I think that he has some playmaking razzle dazzle and can hold his own on defense well enough to stay on the floor. I think what was impressive about the Denny pick is if you're an NBA GM and you have two, two different options to consider when taking your job, your, your players, Mm -hmm. you can draft a question mark, guy out of college that couldn't play in a conference tournament couldn't play in an NCAA tournament or you have a player that 
professional basketball overseas like this he is more arguably battle tested than some of these guys that didn't get a chance to boost their stock in March. Um, So I, yeah, I I understand that pick a lot. My whole thing is I wonder what's going to happen because I'm, I'm pretty sure Ruri Hachimura is a small forward. I don't know if they're, if they're going to put one of them at the power forward. Oh no, no. Isn't Ruri, Ruri might be a power forward now that I think about it. I know they're both forwards. I think they're both forwards, but I think they, I think at the very least, Danny is big enough to play power forward and fast enough to play small forward. So I think they can put them both in the same lineup would be my hope. Speaking of players that weren't able to raise their stock due to, due to the tournament, is there a couple of people that you saw on draft night get hurt by that? I think that Sadiq Bay might've been able to play himself into a little bit higher position. Um, I think anyone from a mid-major team that may or may not have made the, that was on track to make the conference probably got hurt by not being able to show out a little bit against quote unquote elite competition. Right. Um, I think obviously Duke bias coming back in. I think uh, Cassius Stanley, I think Trey Jones probably would have ended up around 41, no matter what he did. But I think Mm -hmm. Cassius Stanley maybe could have played himself into the thirties, even if he had a good tournament. Right. Um, and then, obviously, I think Nico Mannion's probably the best player in the draft, right? So I think he could have maybe he could have maybe shown something. I I fear the day when Nico Mannion does become an all star. I'm gonna have to pay a lot of money to a lot of people. I'm gonna send that screenshot to like my my cousins. Like you're gonna have like people coming out of the woodwork to claim their twenty dollars. It's like when you're a rapper, you finally made it out, and you just have a lot of people that you know you know come around asking for. I'm gonna pay a lot of debts will be paid. A lot of debts will be paid if Nico Mannion makes an all-star team. LaMelo Ball going number three to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Is there a worse – I want you quickly off topic because this isn't basketball related. Mm -hmm. Um, Give me some franchises in sports that you would, like, dread playing for, like LaMelo Ball sitting on his couch realizing he has to go play for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, The Cleveland Browns. Okay. The Arizona Coyotes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Unfortunately, the Pittsburgh Pirates a second time. <laughs> uh, and before the last like two years, probably the Padres. Okay, okay, because yeah, I'm now whether or not this pick is going to help the Hornets. There's no way that this pick. There's no way that the Hornets grow as a franchise, at least in Lamelo's rookie season. I just don't see. There's too many, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I throw out the term, there's too many question marks. I mean, this is just a question mark draft. I wasn't scared of LaMelo like I'm scared of some other prospects. But mm-hmm. are you one of those people that's kind of scared of what of how good Melo can be versus how bad he could bust out on the Hornets? He could bust. He could be one of the worst draft busts we ever see. But I'll say that wow. I'm... If that I'm we've just, ever seen? He, he has the potential wow. to. Yeah. I'm just saying, remember when LiAngelo Ball was a college basketball player and then mm-hmm. he got arrested in China and he, as far as I know, never played college basketball ever again? Right. So I don't know, maybe maybe something like that's an issue. But I think that if you're the Hornets, you have a lot of perception issues and taking LaMelo Ball at least makes you exciting. Like people might just want to watch your games to see mm-hmm. LaMelo and like get more casual viewers tuned in. And the worst thing that can happen for the Hornets is if LaMelo's bad, they're back in the lottery, but they always pick in the lottery anyway. So it's not really like 
there are other teams that are under time pressure to get a, a young core together around the guys they already have. The Hornets have no time pressure. They can take their time, and if this doesn't work out, they go back to the drawing board, probably have another top five pick and figure it out from there. The yeah, I, I I'm trying to I'm looking at some of these teams that really need to build younger cores. Um, I know San Antonio is probably at the helm of. There's only so many years left that Popovich has in his NBA coaching career. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of some of the horrific guards that Danny Ainge has taken for the Boston Celtics, I know that if Peyton Pritchard doesn't hit and Desmond Bain doesn't hit, that there's going to be a lot of people calling for Ainge's head just because of the inability to kind of develop guards that aren't Tatum and Brown, um, especially because you've outsourced the point guard position for so many years that that doesn't matter. What matters is, can you draft, um, you know, a really good one? Mm -hmm. Um, My question for you. Let me, let me ask you something real fast uh, about the Celtics. Uh, It's actually two questions in one. First is, do you think Danny Ainge squandered the famous war chest of assets partially acquired in the Brooklyn trade and like the various trade trees? It's funny that you bring that up because a lot of people were clowning um, Billy King, the, who was the Nets GM at the time. Yep. Um, and it's funny because Brooklyn is in a lot better of a situation than Boston is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it helps because you have Kyrie, KD, but even let, let me say this, even when the Nets didn't have Kyrie, they didn't have uh, Kevin Durant, they didn't have probably James Harden. And they, they had that team of like the, the Jared Dudley, D'Angelo Russell, that team that, the, that year that they were a six seed. Yeah. And you were looking at, well, who really won that trade? Because the Celtics have zero NBA finals appearances to show for it. Mm-hmm. And the Brooklyn Nets have zero NBA finals appearances to show for it. Granted, Boston wasn't as bad as how bad that post Darren Williams Brooklyn Nets team was the second yes. KG went back to Minnesota and Paul Pierce went to Washington and then the Clippers and then retired. It was like um, looking at a, at a raised field. Right. I, it, it, that's a funny question. I would say Boston still came out on top, mm-hmm. but the difference in how bad, like the, the gap and how bad the trade was definitely closed up over time. Obviously I, I, I can't be mad at the trade because it got us Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Um, but yeah, no, what, what have the Celtics had to show for it? That's, that's definitely a legitimate question. And then my, uh, my, uh, my part two of the question, the part yes. B was, I don't know if you heard anything, but there were some, rumblings in the past couple days that the Celtics looked into a James Harden trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if you heard, would you like the fit of James Harden with uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? It won't happen. So I'm just, I I don't think I need to entertain that question. Hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, um, I would say no. Um, obviously like who am I to say, no, we don't, you know, we don't want James Harden of course. Like I would realistically, if the opportunity presented itself, yes, take James Harden and then just deal with it at this point. I'd mm-hmm. rather have James Harden than not have James Harden. Yes. Um, and people that say, oh no, we don't need him because blah, 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 blah. Why not? It's, it's James Harden. Like I yeah. don't, I, I would find it hard to believe that a Celtics fan truly wouldn't want him. I'll say this. It's not a Celtics off season without a top tier free agent being rumored 
to Boston. Like mm-hmm. if I had to have a podcast to talk about every Boston Celtic potential free agent pickup over the last five years, like I would be talking about the time everybody thought Boogie Cousins would be a Celtic, the time everybody thought KD was coming to Boston, Anthony Davis was rumored to come to Boston. It's, uh, I think the Jacoby Hardy fantasy football retirement rumors are just as rampant as a Boston Celtic <laughs> big time free agent. Superstar acquisition. Yeah, superstar Fair acquisition. Enough. Fair enough. Um, I want to ask you this about everybody's favorite ACC point guard. Okay. Did inj- Was injuries a big reason why a lot of people were scared about Cole Anthony, or do you think it was more than just the fact that he was hurt for a good portion of his freshman season? So I don't know how much you saw of Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony played on, I think, no exaggeration, probably the least talented UNC team of my lifetime, if not longer. Um, and so I think there's the injury concerns, obviously, but I think there's also concerns about him sharing the ball. I don't want to say from like that he is necessarily a a ball hog, but we didn't, none of his teammates were talented enough to warrant like being fed by Cole Anthony. So he did, he wasn't really passing a lot. So we don't really know one, if he can pass two, if he's willing to pass because I, I don't hold it against him that he wanted to take all the shots on that UNC team, but we just don't know if that's in his toolbox. And that's a pretty big hole to have in your game as a point guard. How do you like him on Orlando? I think him landing in Orlando of anyone who's landed in Orlando the past couple of years, like he should actually be excited. He's going to be playing like 40 minutes a game. Uh, Even with DJ Augustin and um, uh, Markel Fultz? I mean, Markel Fultz probably deserves some minutes, but it, I would be giving as much playing time to my young guys as possible. And like DJ Augustine, no disrespect to DJ Augustine, the best player ever in the first game of the playoffs against better seeded teams. Um, but I just think that DJ Augustine would be better as like a veteran bench point guard than he would be as like the lead guy on Orlando. Like Orlando has no incentive to give him more playing time. How how upset are Bulls fans at the Patrick Williams pick, even if Patrick Williams turns out to be an all-star, all-star caliber player? Just the fact that it's not name brand and there's no name recognition with Patrick Williams, just like there's never name recognition with anyone that comes out of Florida State, um, yeah. that they didn't get an Obi Toppin or, I, I don't know, I guess people wanted them to reach for whoever. Um, and then I do have a, a second question after we talk about the Patrick Williams pick of FSU players never really coming to fruition in the NBA, but being a great uh, basketball player in the Leonard Hamilton Florida State offense. I think that there are some legitimate gripes Bulls fans can have in picking Patrick Williams, but I feel like he at least is a positional fit with the talent they have. He can slot in next to Wendell Carter. He can slot in next to Laurie Markkanen. He can slot in next to Zach Levine. He can slot in next to, um, I forget his name, the UNC point guard uh, that they drafted mm-hmm. last year or year before. Um, but I, I think that he is getting abused so much because he lacks one of two things. If you're, if you're a team drafting high in the lottery, you want one of two things. You either want a guy you've heard of and you know is going to be good. Like 
like an Obi Toppin, um, a DeAndre Ayton, like some guy you've been hearing about all year? Or you want a guy from a signature program like Duke, uh, Kansas? Are we sitting here on Radio DePaul Sports and calling Florida State basketball not a signature program? Well, you didn't let me. It's, it's, not, it's not a blue bud. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so in my, in my opinion, Florida State has had a better five-year run than a lot – a lot of people might realize than a lot of people um, might perceive. And I think that getting a Florida state player is actually a benefit, but it doesn't carry the prestige of a blue blood. Yeah. Right. There is also an argument to be made that if anyone can develop college to NBA talent, it's Billy Donovan. If we were sitting here saying, yeah, Patrick Williams is a horrible pick because Jim Boylan's still the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. And what is he good for? Yeah. But now it's Billy Donovan. And yes, you could make the argument. I know if I had Johnny up here, he would disagree and say that OKC has developed none, like zero college basketball talent, except maybe Lou Dort um, because of uh, Terrence Ferguson not doing well. Um, the uh, Hamadou Diallo and like some other pieces here and there. Um, but I think that there is a little bit of promising, I would say, because the head coach in Chicago is Billy Donovan. And I would say that if they still had Jim Boylan as coach, essentially anyone they picked was going to be a waste on Jim Boylan. But at least Billy Donovan is going to put these guys in a position to succeed and show why they were drafted where they were. Um, and I think that goes a long way. It's just a coach having confidence in you and a coach putting you in spots to, to show off your talent. I, th- I think that means a lot to young guys. Could not agree more. Um, last thing I do want to talk about in the first round before I get to one or two points in the second round. So we do love the uh, Udoka, uh, Udoka Azubuki pick, especially because he gets to learn from Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Hopefully not kept, you know, learning from him about contracting viruses, but more so post-presence. Yes. Um, but Stopping I, the spread of the ball, maybe not necessarily the virus. <laughs> I do like the precious... The Chua pick, um, especially a big man to pair up with um, Bam Adebayo in Miami, mm-hmm. um, especially because aside from you don't you, you know Udonis Haslam, I don't think they have a lot of big depth. I know um, Myers Leonard still is you know in at Miami, but in terms of kind of like go-to pieces, I know Achua could be one. And then I'm sure, you know, we all love, because we are a pro Villanova podcast, um, the, Sadiq, the Sadiq Bay pick to Brooklyn, I do like, especially because it gives the Harden, Durant, uh, and Kyrie trio kind of, you know, a little bit of forward depth. I actually wanted to talk about that. So uh, Sadiq Bay is actually a piston. I know that's not what it is. Oh, on you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I forgot that he got traded. But I love that is, I think, one of the first trades that comes to mind. That's a, as at least from where I'm sitting right now, that it's probably a win for all three teams. Um, mm-hmm. Sadiq Bay is a fascinating prospect floor spacer for the Pistons. Luke Kennard has been injured and he's on the last year of his deal but he's a talented shot maker shot creator he can add some bench pop to the clippers because that's where he's been sent to and then the clippers sent landry shamet to the nets and he can slot in as just an off ball two guard when you have Kyrie and kd in so he's a guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands but is still an asset on the floor when they're playing together yeah i i because i remember we were talking about 
Sadiq Bey having to challenge or not really challenge, but cooperate with Blake Griffin for minutes at the starting power forward position. Mm-hmm. But if they went, if they went small ball, the two of them could start at the same time. Yeah. And even you can start Blake. In my opinion, it's not necessarily so important to play guys at their preferred position as it is to just play them at all. So if you play Sadiq Bay at small forward, as long as he's not getting run off the floor, I think I think the reps are still helpful. Right. And if he did anything that he did when I saw him in person against DePaul um, from about maybe like 10 feet away, if he just gave 75% in the, in the NBA, the effort he gave against DePaul, then mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be, it'll be smooth sailing in the, in the NBA. Jake, I will say, I'm not sure how much of a compliment it is to say if they played <laughs> the way they did against DePaul in the NBA, uh, he'll be a star, but fair enough. Uh, the second round was highlighted by your Duke Blue Devils. We had Vernon Carey um, in the beginning part of the second round. We saw Trey Jones getting picked up by the Spurs and then Cassius Stanley to the Pacers. If you could pick one out of the three Duke Blue Devils that got selected, who are you most excited for? Um, it, I guess it depends on how you define excited. I'm really excited. Excited to see their career. Like Cassius Stanley. Okay. Um, you told me a long time ago he could jump out of the gym, and I had just had a whole season of Zion, so I just didn't see how that could be exciting. This right. guy can freaking fly. He can fly. Yeah. And so I feel like even if he has a, a Shannon Brown esque career where he's like a fringe role player <laughs> with a crazy That's a great, highlight tape. That's a great name. Yeah. Shannon Brown, an all time great 2K player, an all time great highlight reel. I think even if that's his career peak, which I expect more from him, but I guess we'll see. Like, that's still a a career to be proud of, in my opinion. So I'm excited for him to be on the Pacers. I didn't watch a lot of Duke games. I did watch the Michigan State one, and I did watch the North Carolina uh, game. How is Cassius shooting from the floor? He is not great off the dribble, but catch and shoot from just about anywhere. He is, he's like anywhere from good, like fine to good. Do you have any, besides the Shannon Brown, do you have any, like, actually, like, right now pro player comparisons? Someone he, I feel like Shannon Brown, he could, he could become Gerald Green. Okay. Um, The shooting probably isn't quite there, but he's, that's probably what he's going to project as, is a 3 and D, like, floor runner, uh, rim rattling, like, highlight reel guy, would be what I expect. There is one glaring name when I look at the second round draft selections where I take a look at this list and I'm like, yeah, he definitely hurt from no March Madness experience because I think he would have upped his stock because he had an incredible season before COVID. And I already know who you're going to say. Nico Mannion. Not Nico Mannion. (laughs) Anyone, anyone but Nico Mannion. (laughs) But I will say though, um, I think Jordan Wara from Louisville. I was just a big fan of him. Um, and especially how good that Louisville team was for the first couple of weeks of ACC play um, and even non-conference play when they were the number one team in the nation before they got bumped from that spot. Um, I was excited to see what he was going to do in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, then, you know, there are a couple of names that also you could, you could add to that list. Um, I know Xavier Tillman, um, even Nick Richards from Kentucky to see how far Kentucky would have uh, ran. Um, and even a Cassius Winston, if Michigan State kind of made it further in the tournament. Um, 
to uh, to go back to Jordan Wara, I think that one of the most important things for a second round guy to make it in the league, especially a guy in the mid to late second round, is they have to have an NBA ready skill day one. And he has that in his shooting. Like he is an excellent lights out shooter. If he can just put the rest of the package together, he'll be a complete steal at 42. Um, Paul Reed from DePaul getting drafted by the 76ers. Um, this is a pro DePaul podcast in, in, in the idea of DePaul, maybe mm-hmm. not with how we are right now, but just like the, the idea of DePaul. Mm-hmm. Um, I try super, super hard to try to like to convince myself that he will make it like a Max Struess, but it's just hard, especially towards the back end of the second round. Um, I've just, I don't know. It, it's, it's hard because he is a power forward that does not play in the post. Yeah. So is there really room for him to grow in the league? I was talking to uh, uh, my co-host Jack um, about him making it into the league. And I don't know, it, it, it's hard for me to sit here and just automatically say, yeah, I mean, I, I give it a year and a half and then it's Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, yeah, I mean, that's really bad to say, but at this point, um, especially with the 76ers, it's incredibly difficult to try to make a roster post summer league, especially when you're kind of like an under the radar pick. Yes. I, I think that the very toughest part about the way the NBA draft is set up is that obviously you want the bad teams to get their first choice of the prospects, like for balance. But because of that, you have the very best teams picking at the back end of the second round, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so they don't really need project guys. They don't need, and they don't need quote unquote, the guys that fall to them there per se. Like if, if Paul Reed had ended up on Charlotte, if he ends up on maybe even the Bulls, the Pistons, like someplace that's like building something, he would probably at least get some reps to see what they have. Right. I don't see him playing much if at all on the Sixers who are in, if not win now mode, are winning right now and just might not have time for him to show up in the lineup. Right. And there's only so many, so many more years we'll get from a Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid duo, especially mm-hmm. with a coach that relatively has to prove it in Doc Rivers. Um, yes. Transitioning topics, because I do want to, while we are transitioning from the NBA draft to now NBA trading and free agency, as free agency is starting today at 5 p.m. Pacific or Central Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, what was the better thing what was the best thing to hit Tampa, Florida? Uh, would you say Eddie and Sam's Antonio Brown or now the Toronto Raptors? Probably in order from, from best to worst, it would be Eddie and Sam's. Uh, can't beat that Toronto Raptors. Then Mr. Big chest at three. Then Mr. Big chest at three. Um, I, I would assume I, unless I'm missing how great the uh, the Blake High School gym is. The Raptors are playing at Amelie Arena, correct? Like I, I would I would assume so. It's either going to be Amelie Arena or whatever they call the Sun Dome. Now. I think it's the Yingling Center. It's got to be one of those. Two. Oh, they might play at the Yingling Center. Um, which the fact that it's no longer the Sun Sun Dome 
Trent. That might that might be the biggest travesty to hit Tampa, Florida, since Mr. Big Chest himself. Since Mr. Big Chest himself arrived on our sunny shores, like the <laughs> Sundome being renamed was just a sad day for everybody. <laughs> um, so the first trade on our list, um, I'm sure you have the list of trades, but even if I ask you, I won't like, you know, throw you a curveball and ask about our Bruce Brown uh Dazan and Musa. Like, I'm not going to ask you about trades. Absolute are, steal uh, for uh, one uh, of the teams involved, I'm sure. <laughs> um, the first one on the list, we have Oklahoma City Thunder. They originally got Danny Green. I know they're going to swap him or, or they're going to ship him off. I forget. Where are they trading him to again? They're, like, sending, he just got... they're sending him to the Sixers. Sixers. There we go. Um, which we'll get into that because we both, you and I thought that that was a fantastic trade for Philadelphia. Um, yes. But... LA getting Dennis Schroeder, does that are you, do you feel any emotions about Dennis Schroeder taking his talents to Los Angeles? I thought it was very funny that about three, four days before he was traded, it got leaked like that he had said, Oh, I don't want to play for the Lakers. I don't want to play for the Clippers. Those cities are too big. And now he's a Laker. I just thought that was very funny. <laughs> um, I think that this probably indicates they don't think they're gonna hold on to Rondo or Avery wow. Bradley, or they, they just, they think they're going to need another point guard. So to team up with uh, Alex Caruso, um, okay. that, that's what I think this indicates. Do you think that at the top of the, the list for what LA needs to do in order to make that repeat a possibility is to get a better ball dominant point guard? They don't even have to be ball dominant, but they need someone they can give the ball to and not, like they need someone besides LeBron and Rondo to to handle the ball, and if they don't have Rondo, they need someone besides LeBron to handle the ball. Chris Paul going to everybody's favorite NBA franchise, the Phoenix Suns, um, and then now pairing up with DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. How excited are you for that for that trio? I so I'll say this: I, I actually have an apology to make, Jake. Okay, uh, I need to apologize to the city of Phoenix. I need to apologize to every member of the 2019-20 version of the Phoenix Suns. I need to apologize to their management. I need to apologize to everyone involved in the Phoenix Suns organization. This is groundbreaking. Because I said, when they were invited to the bubble, I said, what a waste of a spot. (laughs) I said, what, like, there's no reason to have the Suns in the bubble. And then they went 8-0. They shut me up. They said... They, sh- they shushed the crowd, and then they didn't even make the playoffs. I will say this to everyone I just apologize that has to do with the Phoenix Suns. You were robbed. You were hoodwinked, bamboozled, wow. led astray, run amok, and flat-out deceived. Because what's <laughs> the point of inviting someone to the bubble if they're going to go 8-0, they're the most exciting team in basketball, and they don't even make the playoffs? And even I would say just kick out whoever that seven seed was because you can make the argument that you can't kick out. Oh no, because the seven seed were the Mavericks and they played. Yeah. Well. Who who had a? Because I'm I'm just trying to think here. Who had a playoff like underwhelming performance as a team? Who was the six seed? Oh, oh I mean the the, the, the Jazz. Jazz. The Jazz. Yeah, get rid of the that, Jazz. Get rid of the Jazz because you can't you can't get rid of Dallas because we would have lost the Doncic. Uh, beef with the Morris brother and then the game and then the game winner. You can't get rid of the trailblazers, even though I want to get rid of the trailblazers personally, because you know, of my stay mellow, uh, you know, mentality of living. Um, I can't get rid of, I can't get rid of Portland because Damian Lillard had 
arguably like the the best three game run in in bubble history and i know that that's one year but we should refer to everything as the best in bubble history because that just might be the one season um Um, you you are correct though i have two things i'm gonna say first at the very least the bubble suns will live forever in our hearts forever (laughs) second i think that we're probably looking at this the wrong way we, okay. should just, we should have just gotten rid of the magic. Just abolish the magic of the <laughs> and send the Suns to the East, and that would have been fine. But we wouldn't have had the memes. The, the Game 1 Orlando magic are The Game 1 pot- Orlando magic You're right, are the though. funniest meme in the we're, history of the NBA. Not only that, I think the Game 1 magic are the best individual game like sports team in the history of sports. Oh, yeah. No, uh, like Game 6 Jordan versus the Game 1 magic. <laughs> The Magic are pulling it out. I don't know how or why, but they're pulling it out. And then Jordan's like does a gentleman sweep, but like you know, right? At least we have the game one Magic. And we have the game one Magic. They'll live forever in our hearts as well. You know what you have to do if you creep into the playoffs in fourth and inches is just rename your team Game One Magic. Game one so magic. you know you'll at least make it to the semif- uh, semifinals. Yes, yes, they can't stop me. I. Worst case scenario, if I need to win and get in in the last week of the season, I'll change my name then. I'll blow it just to make the playoffs. Okay. I mean, at least for the for the memes, keeping the strat alive. But yeah. but back to the Phoenix Suns. Um, are we expecting a lot of Chris Paul this season in Phoenix? What do you mean expecting a lot of Chris Paul? Expecting a lot from him in terms of getting getting that franchise to the playoffs. Is that like the expectation this season? Uh, kind of like kind of like what he did in o- in OKC, where the expectation going into the year wasn't really anything, but then led him led them to the fifth seed. Is that kind of like the same situation? I'll say that they have higher expectations than OKC did coming wow. into the season. Okay. Well, yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah. No. no you're 100 percent on that. Yeah. Yeah. Higher and, expectations. And I think that for the Suns, it would be it would be disappointing if you don't make the playoffs this season. It would be a di- like, you I, you don't have to go far. You don't have to make it out of the first round. I think the goal for the Suns should be make it to the playoffs. Do not get swept. Especially with how good Devin Booker gets year after year. We're going to try and see a lot of growth from DeAndre Ayton as a center. Yes. And then you have Chris Paul. Um, yeah. It's interesting because the West is still a stacked conference and it's easier said than done to try to beat out teams like a Portland, a Dallas, like even on paper, a Utah, a Denver, even like OKC and Houston. But actually, now that I think about it, OKC might be due to miss the playoffs, and so will Houston because of Houston um, falling apart at the helm. Here's here is my my very unprofessional opinion. Okay. I think that the Lakers and the Clippers, barring a meteor hitting. LA are going to make the playoffs. So that's okay. two spots. I think Nuggets, same deal, or like unless Jokic gets insert, injured, I think they are a lot for the playoffs as well. I okay. think that OKC is, and I mean, we would have said this at the same time last year, but this year even more so. I would be. There's no way this year, right? <laughs> I would be gobsmacked no if they make the playoffs. Yeah. So that's an open spot. The Rockets, who knows? They could have, they could have three players tomorrow, like Harden and Westbrook could be gone anytime. If they have Harden and Westbrook, they probably make it. If they don't, they don't. Hard to say which. Um, but that's a potentially open spot. I think the Jazz and the Mavs are probably going to make it and probably a, a fully healthy Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. So that leaves one, maybe two spots for the Suns and the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. 
Okay. And, and the new Timberwolves. If Anthony and the new, if produces day one. Yeah. Right. How sick are you going to be when I ask you to do an emergency podcast number 57 a year from now? Um, and you have to apologize to Lou Dort and the OKC organization for making it to the postseason. I am going to have to run back my entire apology. I'll just, I'll have it written down exactly what I said <laughs> today and I'll say it then. Um, if Lou Dort makes his MVP turn, obviously they'll make the playoffs. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I think what we should do is you should just fill out, you know how like when, when, um, sports media pages on social media post like the template to get you to call in sick for work for the March Madness or for like the U.S. playing in the World Cup and it's like due to a certain state I think you should make like a blank template for like your NBA apology and then just fill in fill in like what team it is that year it'll be it'll be like Mad Libs it'll be like I need to (laughs) apologize to all the people from insert city and especially insert player name star player name (laughs) Uh, and I'll, I'll figure the rest out from there. Figure the rest out from there. Um, Robert Covington going to Houston, or I'm sorry, going to Portland rather, and the and the Houston Rockets getting Trevor Ariza, and then the 2020 first round pick, which ended up being Isaiah Stewart, and a 2021 protect, uh, protected first round pick. Do we care about that trade at all? I think it indicates that Tillman for Tita is cheap because Robert Covington is probably the most valuable role player in the NBA at the moment. He, uh, uh, yeah, that's a great point. And I think that the trailblazers pr- pulled off an absolute coup because they traded essentially <laughs> the Robert Covington proto- prototype and Trevor Ariza for actual Robert Covington. And they gave up like two picks, but like not particularly good ones at that. Right. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks drew holiday trade. This has to be a last ditch effort to retain Giannis. Just, I'm, I'm just going to recap that pick uh, or that trade rather the Milwaukee Bucks are getting drew holiday and a 2020 second round pick the blood. So uh, the Pelicans are getting Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and then 2020 first round pick and a first round pick with either rights or like an unprotected swap pick in 24, 25, 26, and 27. I think that first the Pelicans pulled off an absolute coup. So good for them. Um, I think that the Bucks, the Bucks didn't really have a choice. Like if you are, if you're the Lakers or the Knicks or, well, maybe not the Knicks, maybe that's a stretch, but like the Celtics, you are a team that people want to play for and a place people like, like to live. Whereas if you're the Milwaukee bucks, if you're the Oklahoma city thunder, if you're probably the Minnesota Timberwolves, you have to do, you have to go above and beyond to keep the guys that you draft because you're in all likelihood, not bringing in major free agents. Mm -hmm. So I think the bucks, is it an overpay? Yeah. But it's not an overpay if Giannis signs the Supermax and stays. Yeah, you can afford if he stays. Um, I'm trying to, like, I'm going through the picks here. Uh, There's a lot of trading. Um, I do want to ask you two questions. So mm-hmm. we'll cover the Sixers sending Horford to OKC. You, you were a big fan of this trade when it first happened. Yes. Uh, I didn't, when I first read the information, I just thought that the Sixers were getting Danny Green. I was like, oh, that's, that's good. We need shooters. 
but getting Danny Green, getting rid of Horford, and I think we gave up one pick, maybe two picks. You gave up a 2020 second rounder and a 2025 first round pick. Who cares about a 2025 first rounder? Like that's, <laughs> in my opinion, that's an absolute win. We've got the Horford contract off the books. We have no obligation to play him. We've got a new shooter to space the floor around Simmons and Embiid. I think this is the start of Maury ball in Philly. And I am, wow. I'm excited. You're excited. Yeah. Um, I know Johnny is going to be like, good luck for Terrence Ferguson and fighting through, you know, that career as an NBA player. Um, I think you personally, and this is just a shot in the dark, that 2025 first round pick, I think you are going to be more or less sick when that 2025 first round pick is a seventh year Brad Calipari at his fifth college um, (laughs) and just turns into an absolute stud for OKC. And you're like, wow, what could have been? I'll say this. When you trade a pick so far out, (laughs) you have no idea what's going to happen with it. Like it could be the 30th pick. It could be the first pick. No one really knows. Yeah, at this point, who cares? As long as you're dumping Horford. But we've got to dump Horford. And our best bet is just run with Simmons and Embiid as long as we can. And this, this, this smooths. There are some fit issues. Obviously, I don't have to explain that to anyone who's watched a Philly game. But the fit of Simmons and Embiid is much better than Simmons, Horford, and Embiid. So I feel like this at least gives us three, four years to figure it out before the pick conveys. And even if it's – the only way I would really feel bad is if it's like a top three pick, which I don't think will bottom out that far. I'm reading it actually just now on this list of uh, with the NBA trade tracker on ESPN. Ariza actually got sent to Detroit. I want to say either like days after either on draft day or just whenever, like after that trade was made. Um, So Ariza got sent back to Detroit. And then I know I'm trying to think. So I know in the trade that of the Chris Paul to Phoenix trade, the players that OKC got back, they just ended up swapping all for first picks. I know Kelly Oubre went to the Lakers uh Ricky Rubio or Warriors rather Ricky Rubio got sent back to Minnesota yeah um so he has a reunion in Minnesota um I did I was not aware I think you had met did you mention Luke Kennard getting sent to the Clippers yep gotcha okay so I was not aware of that um the rest of the trades here um I think the only notable one was Philadelphia getting Seth Curry giving up Josh Richardson do you have did you have any thoughts about that trade I I think that this is one of those trades. Excuse me. Um, it's, it's one of those trades. You don't see it a lot in basketball. You see it a lot in baseball where each team has a guy that is better in theory than they are in real life. Like you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, this guy's pretty good. But for whatever reason, there's just something not clicking. So from my understanding, Seth Curry obviously can shoot the lights out of the gym, but he doesn't shoot that much for some reason. No, he doesn't. And Josh Richardson can theoretically guard another team's best player, but we just didn't see much of that last year. So I think this is just sending a guy from each team for a guy that also fits on your team and hoping that a change of location like kind of wakes either guy up. How many years left do you think we have for the core or for the duo of Embiid and Simmons? Uh, assuming neither one gets traded or are you asking like when we'll give up on it? When you'll give up on it. Barring uh, without it, like barring any injuries. 
barring any injuries, which is a huge thing to bar with Embiid, but uh, I would say if we continue to make the second round of the playoffs and can't find adequate return, I think we'd give it two, three more years and just see where we're at. Um, But if, if we ever lose in the first round again, even, and I'll say that the Celtics just have our number. Like I I know that I knew that when the series started, I would have wanted to play any other team in the league. But if we lose in the first round again, that we might just blow it up then. Uh, you'd probably see Simmons with get, a healthy with a healthy Simmons and Embiid if you with guys. with a healthy Simmons and Embiid and Simmons getting hurt really really sucked. Uh, but if if they're both healthy and we lose in the first round, I'd expect it to get blown up the next day. Now comes the time where we have to talk about probably the thing I was most excited to talk about, um, okay. which was when I say the fleet. It was the fleet of Oklahoma City first round picks. I think that if Sam Presti could trade his whole franchise for just first round picks and just forfeit the season and then just attack it next season, mm-hmm. I feel like he would. Oh, yeah, um, percent would. We, and, and I know Johnny's not here, so you're going to have to speak for it, Johnny. I would assume you have to be excited as an OKC fan. I know we can talk about the disappointment over the last few seasons of, you know, didn't get anything for KD and, you know, Russ had to go and et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. now you get to rebuild. And if they're bad this year, they're bad this year. But they – a couple right moves here and there. Um, now that I say this, I'm going to be sick when – Pressy just trades all those picks for Anthony Davis. And we're sitting mm-hmm. here looking at him like, why on earth would you do that? But yep. it's exciting to have all those draft picks. I I think that OKC is, is stockpiling. And obviously picks are essentially the, the currency of the NBA. Like they're the easiest thing to move. They're the easiest thing you can add to a trade to, to balance it out. I think that they are going to make depending on how bad they are this next year, like if they're bad enough to have the pick in their own right, then they'll hold on to all these picks and just see what happens. But yeah. I think they're going to make a run at uh, Cade Cunningham. Uh, oh. My uh-huh. name, brother, yeah. brethren, that might not be yes. his last name. No, no, no. It is Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. Yeah, but he's going to Oklahoma State. He's from the Texas area, so he's familiar with like what Oklahoma is like. And if there's any he's guy, familiar, he's familiar with the state of Oklahoma. He's familiar, he knows where Oklahoma <laughs> is on the map. He can point it out on a on a US map. And if there's any guy that any guy you could take over like number one overall that like you would expect to maybe stay, it'd be a guy who's going who like willingly picked to go to Oklahoma State. So yes. I would this is my one year in advance prediction for the 2021 draft. If the OKC Thunder don't have the first pick, they will trade a King's ransom to draft Cade Cunningham, assuming he doesn't look terrible in college. And that's got to be three to four first-round picks. I expect it'll be one of their own picks, one of the Clippers' picks, um, and pick one other random pick yeah. from their stockpile. Would be my right. expectation. Or, hear me out, what they'll do is they'll use every single first round pick to just whoever comes out of Gonzaga um, or mm. really any other like basketball factory at this point. If we're thinking Oklahoma, just any, any lottery pick from, from the Sooners, just, you could, you could really have just a monopoly on 
whatever team comes from like Tennessee, for instance, if you just wanted to take a bunch of Tennessee volunteers. Have, they, they talk about the prep to prospect pipeline uh, in college basketball. It will be the insert school, the OKC pipeline. <laughs> they just use every pick. They just run back the Tennessee volunteers in the NBA. That would be great. I think that would, that would actually be fantastic for basketball and team chemistry. If you're all sitting in a locker room, if you play for like Arizona state, it, like, you know, like the, uh, the Josh or what's, uh, Who's the the big prospect from Arizona State that went? It's um Josh Green. No, Josh Green was Arizona and uh Josh Christopher. Okay. Josh Christopher. That'd be great if you just sit around the Arizona State locker room and you're like, guys, we're all just good. Even if we don't win an NCAA championship this season, we have a chance at a ring. We have a <laughs> chance in the in the league. Like, let's go, let's go. Yeah, that would be. That would be one of obviously no NBA team is going to sell out for a bit, but that would be one of the greatest bits of all time. Is if OKC just trade keeps trading into the first round to keep taking random Arizona State guys. <laughs> I, I actually, and uh, you could call cap on this. I would be willing to give up Jason, uh, J, uh, Jace, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, just everybody in Boston, just to sell out for that bit. To sell like, out for the bit. Like honestly, at this point, just if Stevens is your head coach, just start taking Butler guys, and it'll work out. He'll figure and it'll it. work. We'll figure it out. I think that that would be probably the best thing that we ever saw in sports, besides the Raptors coming to Tampa. If I'm if I'm an owner ever one day, Jake, which I don't expect, like the odds of that not. You, could, you, you could walk. You could accidentally wake up with a couple bills. But I accidentally wake up. I've got six billy in the bank. I buy my NBA team. Get rid of all of my players. I, I'll have like every good player on my team. I'll ship out for picks. And then I will, do, I'll take every guy who comes out of Duke one year and we'll just see what happens. Just see what happens. Um, what NBA team, if you could own an NBA team, which, which one do you think you'd pick? Probably, probably the cheapest one that's not in Minnesota. But if money wasn't an issue and you could own an, any NBA franchise. If money is not an issue, if money I'm, is not an issue, I'll be the savior of the Knicks. Okay. On my shoulders, I would okay. become the savior of the Knicks. Would be you would my. have you would have Mr. Jacobs and Spike Lee on the sideline. You yep. would just it would everything would be gravy. The first first game of the new season, I'm the new owner. James Dolan has gone on tour with his band. I'll walk down at midcourt and I'll I'll be mic'd up. And I'll walk up to Spike Lee and just give him a hug and be like, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's going to be fine. We're going to figure this out. Right. Um, so last couple, uh, last back half of the show, we, we can call it uh, 2.15, 2.30, whichever one comes first, uh, if we're running out of ideas to talk about. Usually I did want to- 2.15 comes before 2.30. Well, right. I meant like which, whichever came first <laughs> in, terms of, uh, in terms of coming up with content. Okay. Um, Whichever comes first, November 20th or 21st, at this point, anything can at happen. At this point, anything can happen. It's 2020. Who knows? Who knows? Um, and, uh, NFL midseason. We are not technically at the NFL midseason, but mm-hmm. at this point with the playoffs, we don't know if that will start on time. We don't know if the Super Bowl is going to start on time this season. Um, mm-hmm. I did want to ask about your your rundowns of your midseason predictions. So it's been – I wouldn't say an exciting season. Um, this definitely, I don't think this has been the worst season ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, has this been the, like the worst season, like from not from obviously uh, you know, context and the circumstances. Sure. It's the worst season, but like 
the product on field, I don't think it's been horrible this season. Would you say that it's been underwhelming or just status quo? I think it's been, it's maybe a little bit worse than what we expect to see, but I don't think it's because of the guys on the field. I think it's because like, I'll use the 49ers example. It's not that they're unprepared or that they're not well coached. Just people keep getting hurt or they get COVID and they're out. And so there's, there's so much like roster turnover and churn that it's hard for guys to get comfortable. And so I think most of what we're seeing that is like less than what we're expect, what we're used to seeing can be attributed to that. So our midseason, our midseason uh, awards slash predictions slash recaps. I want you to tell me your. This can be player. This can be team. But your biggest surprise and biggest disappointment. Um, my biggest surprise. Actually, I'll do my my biggest disappointment. Um, I have two. Okay. Uh, one is the the Jets uh, GM. Okay, that's an interesting. Position. And the reason it's the Jets GM is I expect Adam Gase to suck. I expect that. That is not that has not shocked me or. That's a given me. at this point. That's a given. But I'm I'm stunned that they are just letting him continue to run their young talent into the ground. Uh, that is disappointing to me, and I can't I believe that they've let it happen for nine games. I expected them to let him go. I think maybe at like the 0 and 4, 0 and 5 mark. Yeah. I am a little bit surprised. I thought you were going to take the angle of you got nothing from Le'Veon Bell. Like you got nothing like out of him and you yep. paid him a lot. Same yep. thing with Jamal Adams. You really didn't get a whole lot, like at least in return. Um, but the Jets, so basically the Jets GM is your biggest disappointment for not firing Adam Gase. Yes, because I'll, I, we will never, we'll never know unless he becomes incredible next year, we will never know if it's the Jets fault for ruining Sam Darnold or if he was never that good to begin with. I was just about to ask you, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I know. And I don't think we'll ever find out how good Sam Darnold is. Because I, I thought coming into that, like into that draft, I thought he was, I thought the Baker pick at one was right, but I thought he was probably going to be the second best guy in that draft. And, or QB anyway. And it's impossible for me to tell. He's gotten mono. He's had Adam as a coach who's just a complete idiot. He has no one, like he has no talent around him to elevate anyway. So it's very hard to even know if he, if he is himself bad or if like everything is so bad around him, it's just robbing him. It's going to be a little concerning if uh, Jamison Crowder, for whatever reason, is a listener to the show. And is like, well, what do you mean Sam Darnold doesn't have any talent? I, I would hope if Jamison Crowder's listening, we I mean, we are a fan. If Jamison Crowder say. is listening, that is a Duke product right there. Uh, and I'm sorry, I just I was speaking in broad strokes. Um, I'm a fan of you know what? I'm a fan of Brashad Perriman too. Those those two guys are yeah. some dogs out there. But right. like how how are like Darnold doesn't have enough time to throw to them when they get wide open. I'm sure. If we play. would have seen Darnold, if he was born like 10 years prior and we could see what he would have done with a, a Kellen Winslow or like a Dustin Keller, Santonio Holmes, Plaxico Burris, even in terms Literally. of like great jets talent. If he had, if he had the corpse of LT on the jets, like we'd at least have some idea of what we're working with, but we don't. Do you have a, you so you said you had a second pick for biggest disappointment. 
I have a second one. It's a it's a pretty easy one. It's maybe like a cheap answer, but like the Dallas Cowboys are just are sad. And yeah, the epitome of they're the, they are the epitome of sad. And you can say, oh well, uh, Dak got hurt, then Andy Dalton got hurt, and yes, but they were losing when they had Dak. They're giving up 500 yards a game then too. Right. Is it bad to say that McCarthy, I just don't think, is the one for Dallas? So I'll say this. I, I was bamboozled by the McCarthy PR campaign where I was like, I've changed. I've seen how the games evolved, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was conned. He conned me. He conned it was, me. Yeah, it was a smoke show. I don't, we shouldn't have believed him. I, I believed him and I, I, smoke just, screen. I don't know why. I said, I said smoke show. Like Mike McCarthy is the sexiest NFL head coach. He is the sexiest coach. <laughs> With the clipboard right now. Yeah, move over Cliff Kingsbury. Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is what I want in a man. <laughs> he threw up a smoke screen. Yeah, he he has not changed one bit. I I'll give him he I'll give him one pass. I'm gonna give him one pass. Okay, let me hear. He it. needs to fire the defensive coordinator the second the season ends. Start from scratch next season, and maybe maybe he can raise himself in my esteem but as of right now i'm never going to believe any of the pr ever again right because the offense the the offense banged up um the offense the offense was explosive until Dak got hurt right right the defense you you don't have any excuses that's just bad jake i will i will tell you this i cannot throw a football well or consistently i don't think i can make a spiral i look like like 46 year old double spinal surgery peyton manning out there just lame ducks all over the place i could carve up the cowboys i would look like i would look like the platonic ideal of of tom brady out there just slinging it yeah (laughs) i i know that if you if you became 46 year old peyton manning so that means you're good for at least one naked bootleg a game that just fools the defense and you just like slowly run around the opposite side yep. for the first down on like a fourth in inches. Yep. That's exactly uh, what I'm good for. And it'll be beautiful. And I, I'll, it'll be a naked bootleg from the, uh, my own 20 and I'll take it to the house because the Cowboys aren't tackling me. Right. I, uh, when, it, when it comes to Dallas – they have to pay Dak. Dak has to make a return, right? There's no way if if evil if if the story in life and the life lessons is that evil doesn't win. Mm-hmm. There's like Dak has to get paid. There's no way he doesn't, right? Like, okay, tell me there's hope for us as a society. You're you're no. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like the fact that you paused. You're not <laughs> gonna like. You're not gonna like some parts of what I'm about to say, but you're gonna like other parts. Okay, let me hear it. So someone is going to pay Dak. That's true. Yeah. I don't know who it will be that <sighs> by somebody. And it would, it would actually surprise me if it's not the Cowboys. That's a shame if, if they don't retain him. Because I will say for all of Jerry Jones's many flaws, he is fairly loyal to his guys. I'll say that to his uh, credit. Um, I would, I di- I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. He's loyal to the good players. To the stars, yes. To the stars. Yeah. He's loyal. He's notoriously unloyal to the scrubs. scrubs. And especially, he's, I'll say this, I'll even double down. He's loyal to his quarterbacks. Uh, Well, I would say he was loyal to Zeke as well. Yeah, because he's he, he was loyal to Romo throughout Romo's career. Um, uh, But you're right. Somebody. Jason Garrett for too long, too. 
that's true. Um, yeah, somebody is going to pay Dak, but just everything that this man has went through in 2020, it's a shame if you don't pay this man. There's going to be a lot of unhappy Cowboy fans. So the reason I, I said someone, and it might not be the Cowboys, is depending, we've still got, depending on what team, six to seven games left in the season. And if you're the Cowboys, you'll you have two wins, but like, there are a couple teams worse than you. If you end the season at two wins and you have the first pick and Trevor Lawrence is right there, I don't know. They uh, could take. Argument can be made. And if they have the second pick, Justin Fields will be right there and he's looking pretty good too. So wow. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't, it would surprise me if they don't pay Dak, but if they're a top two or like three pick and have a shot at a, a bona fide QB prospect wouldn't wouldn't shock me if they go a different direction. I'm going to ask it because it needs to be asked, although mm-hmm. it shouldn't be asked, but here we are. Mm-hmm. Before the DAC injury, let's say DAC is healthy. Okay. Does this I'm gonna ask it, Cade. Does this team do better under Jason Garrett? Oh, that, that's not where I thought you were gonna go with this question. Okay. Oh, I feel like they still have the same Swiss cheese defense. Mm -hmm. I think without Dak, they're still looking to be in and out the same spot. With Dak, it is a possibility. And I'll say that Jason Garrett has done a very good job of game planning for the Giants outside of the first two or three weeks. Daniel Jones has looked the best he's looked, I think, as a Mm -hmm. pro. Mm -hmm. Um, They have been competitive they've been competitive on the offensive end they had an anemic first couple weeks so jason garrett might actually have been a better choice through the first couple games of the season than uh than mike mccarthy that's very possible i'm gonna give you my two disappointments before we move on to the surprises i'm gonna say atlanta falcons Okay, great choice, great choice. Um, I was I drank the Kool-Aid and I was like, oh my God, they have a rejuvenated Todd Gurley. <laughs> they have Dan Quinn coaching for his job. They have Julio back, like the defense, you know, blah blah blah. And they just let me down. Me um, drinking the Mike McCarthy Kool-Aid, like I, I know how it feels. It just sucks. That you, you're a believer. Sucks. It's a you, bad aftertaste. It's, it's, it's a bad aftertaste. You drink the Kool-Aid and and you realize it's it's not the Kool-Aid powder. It's just salt poured into <laughs> the water. And you're just, now I'm just sad. Now you're just sad. Um, and then my second disappointment, out of the NFL coaches, um, I'm just going to continue to, yeah, 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 out of the NFL coaches that um, I have love for because I think they're a good coach, Mm-hmm. Um, and as, so there's like a couple coaches that I'll just love that I have unconditional love. I don't care if you're two and 14 or yep. 14 and two, I'm always going to love John Gruden and I'm always okay. going to root for a John Gruden team. But in terms of coaches that I really like and have respect for Sean McDermott definitely comes to mind. Um, but in terms of a disappointment, I, I Anthony Lynn, let me down. <laughs> Anthony Lynn disappointed me. Um, it's unfortunate because you're you coach the Chargers and you know that you're due for at least four losses in the season by like 
a game winning field goal or like a game missed, like a missed field goal. Um, a game ceiling interception, a dropped game ending interception. Like you're, you're due for heartbreaking losses for stupid losses like that. Yeah. But Anthony Lynn, especially when we were saying when it was the, uh, the 2018 chargers, when they beat the chiefs in arrowhead, they Mm -hmm. beat the Ravens in Baltimore during the playoffs. They looked really good. Rivers had a great season. The defense was excellent. Their receiving core were excellent. Um, and I was like, bro, Anthony Lynn is the real deal. He's and figured it out. He's figured it out. And I, I've just gotten let down. I would be shocked if they not saying that like he should be fired. And do I think he should be fired? I'm not ready to say he should be. I'm not ready to let go on Anthony Lynn in LA. Okay, you're not ready to give up. Yet. <laughs> I'm not ready to give up hope, but I wouldn't be surprised if they fired him. And here, here's a question for you that I've been thinking about a lot. How much worse does Anthony Lynn look if his team doctor doesn't puncture Tyrod Taylor's lung? The tough part is I'm going to say that's a non-factor because Justin, oh, Her- wow. because Justin Herbert's probably your offensive rookie of the year. Well, well but so what I'm saying is that he, Herbert – I think that if you're team management, you're the ownership, you're whatever, and you're looking at the team, you say, yeah, well, we have a rookie QB and we've been close. And once he's a little bit older, we'll win those close games. You can, you can make that excuse, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a fair assessment in an alternate universe. The Tyrod Taylor's long is never punctured. Tyrod Taylor is playing the first eight games of the season and you are getting probably the doors beaten off you because Herbert is playing out of his mind and they've only won one game with him. Yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's a fair assessment. Um, I would like to th- believe Taylor beats the Bengals that week one or no, 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 he did. He did right? beat the Bengals. Um, I forgot. Yeah. Cause it was the missed field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the classic, oh, I missed a field goal. My, I, I, my, my hamstring hurt. My hammy, my hammy. Oh no. Yeah, let me grab my calf. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. I know there was a couple injuries on defense. Uh, was it Derwin James who got hurt? Who seems yeah. like there's always a big time member of the secondary that always gets hurt before the season. Before the season, um, does. yes, facts. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a quick asterisk and say a side disappointment is because I don't think this was a Brian Flores decision because this does not strike me as a Brian Flores decision. Mm -hmm. I believe that this is an upper management. I would say upper management benching Fitzpatrick. Yes. Um, That was very sad. That was very sad. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. He hasn't screwed up yet. Uh, Granted, Tua might lead the team to the playoffs, and I might be eating my words in like four weeks from now. Um, But those are are probably my biggest disappointments. Biggest surprises for you? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a sort of homer pick. I don't think you should pick them as your surprise, but I'm gonna say they have surprised me at the very least. Okay. Uh, the Carolina Panthers have been it's interesting. Have been better. So I came into the season fully expecting, uh, just churning through talent, seeing who's going to stay on the roster for the future and just kind of tanking for, for Trevor as Trevor is like, he's from Clemson. That'd be a great sell if he's our QB of the future. So when we came out and have been competitive in more or less every game, besides when we just got the the doors beaten off by the bucks, we've been, I think within a touchdown ish of every other team we've played. 
And that, as a fan, has made me happy that even though we're not particularly talented or particularly deep, we're finding ways to stay in ball games, And, and that's that, been good. That at least has to have you happy, at least with the coaching performance for Matt Rule, at yeah. least for the first half of the season. Uh, I, in the very first game, I was a little bit upset at him because on a, on a fourth down call, he gave it, he handed it off like a fullback instead of McCaffrey, which was mind boggling to me, but <laughs> we've, we've stuck around in games. He's called good games. Um, the coordinators look competent and our team has looked, even though we're in the in last place in the division, we have looked like a team that can take steps to improve ourselves in the off season. And that, that has surprised me and made me happy. Do you want Bridgewater as the quarterback of the future? I don't, there are worse QBs for us to have. Like, I don't think he is our QB of the future if we want to win a Super Bowl. But I will say that I would rather have Teddy Bridgewater than Tyrod Taylor. Um, Do you want Bridgewater on this team next year starting or depends on who you could grab in the draft? Depends on where we fall. Because uh, if we're picking like 10th, I'm fine with us picking like defensive guys just to like build up, build up the roster and figure out the QB situation later. Right. Um, I'm going to say for my, for one of my biggest surprises, um, I don't know if you had a, if that was like your biggest surprise and you have like a, like a second and a third one, but I'm going to say um, the Tennessee Titans, I will be totally transparent with you, Cade. I did not think that this was a team that was capable of repeating success to the level of success that they had the previous season. Now I wasn't saying, so wait, saying, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to decode some, some Jake speak for the readers at home because okay. Jake speak is much like coach speak where he's <laughs> saying one thing out loud, but what it means. is different. And so I was going to, I was going to elaborate. And so what Jake just <laughs> said means that he thought the Titans beating the Patriots was a fluke. And then he also had, but that, that take was, was incompatible with the Titans also beating the Ravens. <laughs> So those because that's because that's tandem, legitimate. That because that's legitimate. Because that's legitimate. If if the Titans <laughs> legitimately beat the Ravens, how could they have fluked by the Pats? And so that is what Jake means when he says this team. <laughs> I will say so. It's kind of like the uh, Lamar Jackson can run, can throw, but can't throw in the playoffs. But if he does it against the Patriots, he can't. But if he does it against the Chiefs, he can. He can. Yes, exactly. It's exactly like that. <laughs> no, I was going to say I was – I I will be totally real. I didn't think that they were going to be that, uh, like this good. When, mm-hmm. when I saw the run that they had, I'm like, there's no – I mean, it's Tannehill. Tannehill can be good for a playoff run, but – there's just no way. Yep. Um, I didn't think that they were they were overrated and we're gonna be like three and thirteen. Mm-hmm. But I still thought that they were like an eight and eight, nine eight and, and eight. seven. Yeah, like, they like were. Eight and they eight, were in the nine. seven and eight nine. And eight. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I thought. I'm like, I'm like, okay. Well, you beat New England. Anybody could beat New England. Uh, you you caught Baltimore napping, and that was pretty easy to do because. Baltimore just should have woken up and stopped focusing so much on Kansas city and what they were there. I, I felt like they focused more on what they were going to eat for the pregame meal against KC than yeah. like actually Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and, and so going into the season, I'm like, yeah, I still think this, this is a Texans or Colts division. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here saying, Oh, this for sure isn't a Texas division. <laughs> 
And this could be a Colts division, but it's probably a Titans one. Um, I am going, I have two and one, I just want to touch on two more surprises and one, I'm just going to touch on very, very, very briefly. And that is, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars PAC 12 QB pipeline. Um, that has, that is a pleasant surprise. (laughs) Jake Luton came in and has he been good? No, but of guys who come in randomly mid-season and are true rookies from the Pac-12, from the Pac-12, he's been he's been fine. He's better than Ben DiNucci and Garrett <laughs> Gerald, whatever that guy's name is. Garrett um, Gilbert's actually he he looked good for that one week. We're I, gonna have to see. I might just have I just might just be a hater because his name is alliterative. But Jake Luton was like <laughs> was like fine against a very good Packers team. So you know, like good good for the Jags finding these scrubby Pac-12 QBs and making them into something. And then your second your second surprise. My second surprise, and I think I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about them at all. And uh, Jacoby Hardy is gonna want to give me a kiss. Is the Indianapolis Colts have been a very very pleasant surprise. Not you had I, you had low expectations for the Colts. Not that I had low expectations. I thought they would be about they'd be somewhere in the eight and eight to, to ten and six range, which they're still on pace to do. But I think that they are probably you might be you might get a little bit annoyed at me, but they might be top to bottom the best team as a collective in the NFL. And the NFL outside of the QB position. So what I'm saying is like they like they're they're role players. They are like solid from top to bottom. Like no one comes in where I'm like, oh no, not that guy. Uh like as a Colts fan, I wouldn't be looking at them and being like worried that they're in the game. But also because Phillip Rivers, old Phillip Rivers is a QB, they're not scary, but I think they can make some noise especially with an added spot in the playoffs, depending on who they play. Um, If, yeah, because, you know, that's going to be interesting. I think the AFC is, there's going to be some fireworks in the playoffs in the AFC. Because we don't know what to expect from how many teams come out of the East, uh, whether it is if Buffalo surprises some people, Miami could just come in and just wreck havoc. Yeah. Pittsburgh is just going to sit back as the one seed and let everybody else fight it out. But KC could get caught slipping. Um, same with same. I, I know the Raiders are capable of making noise. Um, if the Browns sneak into a third spot and just have mm-hmm. like z- nothing to lose. And so Baker just starts, you know, slinging the football across the field, um, the AFC, and especially with whoever comes out of the South, um, if it's one or two teams, yeah, that that's going to be, relatively interesting to watch i i think that the nfc playoffs will be interesting in the later rounds when we get to the clash of the titans because Mm -hmm. i think there's a little bit of rock paper scissors going on there where packers beat saints saints beat bucks bucks beat packers um but i think in in the afc anything could really happen and it wouldn't shock me Mids, give me before we wrap up. We call it a podcast. Yep. What's uh, your your uh, your midseason NFL Super Bowl predictions? Ooh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Chiefs. Well, I'm gonna say Chiefs and the the Packers. 
that's going to be quite the Super Bowl matchup. Yes, and I'm going to say the Packers beat the Chiefs. That's my prediction. The Packers are the Super Bowl champions. Yes. That's interesting. I, I did not have an answer to that question. I just came up with that on the fly, and I, I don't – I don't hate how it felt coming out. So it, it, it felt okay. It felt okay. Yeah. There's no, <laughs> yeah, there's no yeah. aftertaste. I almost, I almost said something I regret instead of the Chiefs, and so I'm, I'm sticking. I'll stick to what I said. Before I let you go, is JJ Watt a Hall of Famer? JJ Watt's a Hall of Famer, and you are no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Fair enough. Well, Cade, I appreciate your time for coming in and uh, giving us the insight per usual. Um, do you have any predictions of what we'll be talking about the next time I next time I get you on air? Uh, emergency pod number three is going to be James Harden is a Milwaukee buck. And we're going to be trying to figure out how that happened. What brought us here? Or emergency pod number three is going to be, you miss the fantasy playoffs. (laughs) And we're going to be trying to, trying to dissect that. Like what happened? It's going to be, it's going to be Melvin Gordon. That's going to be our suspect number one. Or here, here's my third, my third option is emergency pod number three is how to live in uh, America post-coup. Post-coup. Okay. And I would say just to piggyback on that emergency pod number three, my emergency pod number three idea is going to be Bulls rename it Sundome, Raptors move in, Supersonics, Raptors, NBA finals. How did we get here? <laughs> how did we get here? Bet. Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, well, appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. For Cade McCurdy, I am Jacob Robinson. You've been listening to the online version of Crunch Time on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. We will catch you on air, barring any emergency podcasts, which we definitely could have during winter break back in January. <laughs>